about a year ago or so, uh, I had to pressure clean my driveway because I, I, I live in a like a gated community thing. Um, and uh, so the association sends me letters, like all the things I have to do to my house. Uh, and they're like, they sent me a letter like you got to pressure clean your driveway because it looks like there's, you know, like weird alien things growing on your driveway. So um, and I, if you're like me, they give you like three weeks to get it done. So about day 20, I'm thinking like, hey, I better start do, doing that. Well, anyway, I'm driving out of my development and I see a guy uh, pressure cleaning somebody's house. I'm like, oh, perfect. He's already in the, in the development. I can talk to him. He can go do go pressure clean my house today. So I stop and, and I get out of the car and I walk up and I say, hey, uh, how much do you charge to pressure clean? And he didn't respond. Um, and so I'm like, oh, he just gives me like this weird look. And so I, I start over and I say, hey, listen, my driveway is about this size. How much would you charge to pressure clean mine? I, I live right down the street. And uh, he doesn't say anything. And that's when I realize this guy doesn't speak English. So I'm like, uh, so then I start telling him in Spanish. I'm like, mira, yo no necesito alguien. And so I start telling him the whole thing, right? And then you ever notice this? You do this. I, I don't know why, but um, when you are talking to someone in Spanish, um, you'll even say English words with a Spanish accent. Because that's why, you know, yo no necesito alguien para hacer un preche clean. You know, and so they'll be like, because pressure clean, they don't know what that is, but un preche clean. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, 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 see. You know, it's like uh, I, I had because, uh, you know, it's like Sprite. It's not Sprite. It's Esprite. Um, in fact, I had a, I was telling a friend of mine that he lives in Homestead. And he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I had a friend. Uh, he goes, I was in a restaurant one time and they didn't offer me a seven up. They offered me un siete up. And um, so anyway, so um, so I told the guy in Spanish, no response. That's when I realized this guy speaks a language other than English or Spanish, which means I'm out of luck. So I, because I just have to get this done, I start using like sign language. So I'm like, you know, you come to my house and pressure clean my driveway, you know. And this guy's looking at me like giving me the weirdest look. And then finally he speaks up. He says, listen, this is my driveway. I don't own a company and I'm not coming to your house. And I said, and so because I, I don't even know what I was thinking. So yeah, I said, yeah, but what about your truck? Because there was a pressure cleaning truck right in front of his house. And he goes, that's not mine. That's that guy's. And this whole time I didn't realize there was a guy right next door that was setting up his stuff to pressure clean that guy's neighbor's house. So after I like you ever have, you know, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, The Sixth Sense at the end, everything all comes together for Bruce Willis. I had that moment, except I wished I was dead right then. That's probably the only difference. And uh, so this whole thing comes together, and I say, oh, okay, um, I'm going to leave now. By the way, I just want to say one thing. I don't live around here. And uh, so if you ever see a guy that looks like me around here, it's not me. I'll see you later. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had like one of these moments where you just wish, I don't know if you have, uh, if, you know, most of us have like a DVR, you know, that little button that you can hit takes you back like eight seconds or 20 seconds or whatever. You ever try to like point that at people, see if it works like, oh, I said that that yeah, doesn't work on people, but I wish it did. It was one of those moments that I wish I could have done that. And I think all of us have. But the, here's the problem. And we all know this is that we can't change the past, can we? Uh, we can't change the past as much as we've tried. Uh, we, we, we can't do it. You can't change past events. You can't change other people. Um, by the way, the, the, you know, um, if, you've ever, if you've never tried to change another person, 
Uh, that just tells me you're not married. Um, because people, you know, married people do that. Um, but so, so many times, I mean, if we're honest, we would say that we feel powerless even to change ourselves many times. Because there's things about us that we would love to change, things about us we'd love to see different. And so we'll try to do something to change ourselves, but many times it doesn't work out quite the way that we'd hoped. And so we'll use like willpower or personal power or the power of positive thinking. Some of us even tried PowerPoint to try and say maybe that'll do something, but it doesn't do anything. And, uh, and all the while, all the while, we've overlooked the most powerful force in the universe to change a human life. That power that's available to us this very moment, this very day. And that is the power of God. In fact, in the notes that we gave you, um, and if you have the, the program, in fact, the inside of the program are the notes. Um, but here's, here's the first verse in the outline that we gave you so you can follow along with us. It says this. The Apostle Paul writing in Philippians 3, he says this. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I think one of the greatest truths that you're going to learn this morning is that the power that's available to us is this very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the thing that we celebrate on a day like today, on Easter Sunday. That this power, if, if, you're, if you, it's available to you and it's available to me, if we'll simply uh, allow God to work in our lives. In fact, we see this power at work in, in a book called Romans. Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul um, to a church in Rome. Now, these people had never met Paul, but they knew of him. And so as an apostle, as a leader in the church, he wrote this letter to them, inspired by God. And, and he heard, Paul had heard that God was at work in their lives. And so what Paul lays out at the very beginning of this letter is the transformation that God wants to do. And that's why today we're beginning a brand new series of teachings that we're calling Inside Out. Because this book of Romans that we're going to be working our way through is all about the transformation that God wants to do, the changes that God wants to work in your life and in mine. But they don't begin with external modifications. Instead, they begin with an internal transformation that then begins to work its way out. So in the opening verses of this book of Romans, Paul is going to lay out the kind of transformation that we can experience when we come to know God. The kind of power we can experience in our lives when we allow God to work in our lives. And in fact, we're going to see is the three ways that God wants to work in us if we'll let him. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you were also called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you pause there and give me your attention, there's three things I want to share with you, three ways that we experience God's power in our lives as we see in these opening verses. And here's the first one if you're taking notes with us. And that is that we experience God's power. You experience God's power when you trust him with your future. When you trust him with your future. Um, on Monday, I had a friend in town and he was uh, actually leaving town on Monday. And I was taking him to the airport. He was flying out of Miami. And uh, so because he had booked a flight leaving at like 930 in the morning on a Monday, 
um, leaving out of Miami, which you're saying, wow, that's not the brightest thing to do. I know. But I can't say much more than that because he listens to these messages. Uh, so, um, so I'm driving and I decide instead of going down, um, instead of going down the Palmetto, which is like a parking lot at that time, I decide that I'm going to take Lejeune all the way down and cut through the city to get to the airport. And I was making very good time. And uh, so I'm, I'm cutting through Hialeah, and so I get to um, an intersection, and it's pretty far backed up, but the right lane is totally open. So I get in the right lane, and I get all the way to the front and realize this is a right turn only. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's a right turn only. I need to get there on time. But the lady that is, um, is in the lane next to me that's going straight, she's still kind of far back from, you know, the, the line where the cars are supposed to be and then pedestrians are crossing. So I motion to her and I do like, you know, we all kind of speak that driver's language. And that is, you know, and she's like, that's like, that all means like, hey, it's kosher if you come over. And so so I come over and everything is good. The light turns green. I keep going. And then a few minutes later, different lights turn on, which was the cop behind me. And uh, so the cop pulls me over and uh, she gets out. And it's obvious to me that she is very upset. And uh, and so. She says, um, didn't you see the sign that it's just right turn only? And I said, yes, that's why I changed lanes. I didn't just cut through. I changed lanes and got it and got in the other lane. And I said, you know, and she says, well, didn't you? Don't you know that that's what causes road rage? Now, I'll be honest with you. Someone was experienced road rage at that moment, but it wasn't me. But once again, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to make a bad situation worse. So I said, well, I, I said, you know, officer, I understand that. That's why I asked. The lady that was in front, if I could cut across, like I said, and she said, and we understood each other, that was okay. And she goes, well, there were several people behind her. Did you get all of our permission? And I said, well, no, because that would have taken forever. And I really got to go. And uh, by the way, wrong thing to say. And, uh, and so she says, well, why don't you give me your driver's license and then I'll be back. And that's never good when she says I'll be back. And so anyway... Oh, I forgot to mention my kids were in the car with me. My wife had a doctor's appointment, so I'm like, ah, I'll take the kids. It'll be a fun time at the airport. And, uh, and then, you know, we'll drop my friend off. Well, anyway, so my kids are watching something in the back on, on the, the TV. And then they say, um, and then my daughter kind of realizes what's going on. And she says, Papi, why did the officer take your card from the driver's license? And I'm like, well, Mama, the... Uh, the officer needs to write me a note so that I never forget this moment. And, um, and then my daughter, who's four, she says, uh, Papa, you're in trouble, aren't you? And I said, no, no, I, you know, it's, it, okay, yes, I'm in trouble. And, uh, and, and so, and then, but here's the thing, this is the weird part. Then after that, I start explaining to her, I said, Mia, but you've got to understand, I'm a victim of circumstance here. And I started explaining to her, I was in the right lane, and I said that, and she said this. And listen, when you start driving, you know that that, you're going to know that that's okay to do. And as I'm saying all this, she says to me, she says, Bobby, I'm watching Peter Pan right now. <laughs> like, hey, I really want this conversation to end because I'm not that interested. And uh, now here's the deal. This is like the story of our lives. I mean, if, if, we'd, if, we'd, if we'd admit it. And, and here's why. A lot of times we'll see the signs. Right. Like, don't go this way and then we'll go that way and then things won't work out. And we'll say, God, why did you do it to me? Like God saying, like, I didn't do it. Didn't you see the sign? You know, and, and, and like, well, yeah, but I didn't think you meant it. You know, and, and 
And, and, that, and that's kind of what happened to me. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't think that really mattered because I said this and she said that. You know, as, as if this lady apparently has been deemed like professional lawmaker, you know, of, of traffic. And, uh, and listen, one of the challenges that we have as people is the same thing that happens to me in that moment. The same thing that happens to us in every moment of our lives. The biggest challenge that we have is the tension that we experience between trusting God for a better future and taking matters into our own hands. Paul, the writer of this letter of Romans, was like the least likely person that you would expect to write a letter like this. And not only does he write a letter like this, he says this. He says that he's, uh, Paul, he's called to be an apostle. Now, you gotta understand, we'll read that, and a lot, some of us who know the story, we're like, yeah, Paul, that's great. He's a, this, you know, pioneer of the Christian movement. And, um, but here's the thing that we have to understand is that Paul, before he was an apostle, like, in an apostle, the Greek word is apostolos, and it's simply a term that refers to, um, a, 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 an apostle was really a, someone who would go out and was sent. It means really a sent one. Someone who would be a herald, who would proclaim a truth on behalf of a king. So he's saying there's this king, Jesus, and, I, and I'm proclaiming his truth. I'm proclaiming his message. But you've got to understand that before Paul was an apostle, he was actually a guy that used to kill Christians. He was a guy that um, used to get Christians arrested for no other reason than actually being Christian. Because they were defecting from the faith of his forefathers. And, and then he eventually came to know Jesus himself. And that's what caused the transformation in his life. In fact, let me read to you what he writes in another book. Um, he says this. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the tradition of my ancestors. But before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. The point that Paul is making as he shares who he is, and in this letter, he writes his name, Paul. This is the guy writing it. But I want you to know that I'm, I'm a bond servant. I'm willingly serving Jesus, and I'm proclaiming his message. He's called me to do something. He separated me for the good news. And, and, and the message that he's sending is the message of his life. And that is that the most that we experience God's power in our lives is when we entrust him to a better future. Because Paul could never have imagined the future that God would send him on prior to coming to know Jesus. But when he did, God revealed his will to him. God revealed to him something that he never dreamed possible. And too many times, I mean, if we're being honest, what happens is, is that we're, we're, we talk about trusting God and we say, yeah, I'm believing God and trusting God for a better future, all the while when we're getting ready to do what it is that we want to do. And then hope that what we want to do is exactly what God wants to do. When I was graduating from college, I was graduating, this is many years ago, with my theology degree, and um, I knew that God had called me into ministry and, and, and serving people and teaching the Bible, and um, I had this opportunity to um, start a college, a Bible college in uh, Liberia, and, uh, and the, the whole thing about Li- Liberia is, um, is that it's actually in Liberia, um, and, and so I was excited about what I was doing, wasn't that excited about where I was going to go to do it. And so, because the last time I checked, there wasn't like really good pizza places in Liberia. And um, so I was, I, I was in this thing, and they wanted me to go start this college, and then, um, so I'd be running it, and I'd be training nationals who would be starting churches and reaching people uh, with the gospel, and, and it was really an exciting thing. Um, but I, I didn't really want to go there. I thought, like, I wanted to go someplace, like, nicer that had, like, an outback, 
you know, kind of that kind of place. And not like the real open outback, like just like a steakhouse outback. That's what I was looking for. Well, anyway, so, and, and I was like, you know, back and forth about it. And I remember I was eating a pizza because I do my best thinking when I'm eating pizza. And, um, and so I was praying and I'm like, God, if you really want me to go there, I'm going to eat this whole pizza. Because that's what I do. But then, if you really want me to go there, I'm going to open the box and the whole pizza will reappear. That will be our deal. Then I will know that you have called me through these eight slices that reappeared with pepperoni to go to Liberia. Sure enough, I looked. Nothing reappeared. Surely it's not God's will for me to go. But two months later, so I said, no, no, I'm not going to go because who wants to go to Liberia? And then um, I, I got this opportunity because I'm a musician and... Uh, I got this I got this call from a guy who had been one of my professors in in college and uh, he had just um, become the pastor of this church and he was looking for someone to lead the music, kind of like what Pastor Mark does, someone to just be the worship leader, music leader. And he says, you know, I heard you're a musician. I heard a lot of great things about your abilities as a a musician. And I'd like you to come and uh, join our staff and be part of this. And I'm like, "Okay, that's great. Um, and, And where is this? And he said, Maui. And I'm like, yes. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm like, uh, and he said, you know, so, you know, uh, you know, so you let me know if you're interested. And I said, yeah, let me just talk to my wife. I didn't even tell him I was going to pray. I just let me just talk to my wife. And basically I meant to tell her that we're moving to Hawaii. And so we get, I get, I get home and I say, you're never going to believe it. And I said, well, so this professor so-and-so called me and he, he wants me, wants us to move to, um, to Maui. To be, to like, you know, be the, the, do some music and do some teaching. And it's great. And she says, oh, okay, well, let's pray about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's pray about it. But let's pray about it as we're packing our bags. Because we're moving to Hawaii. And, uh, and, and now, I ended up turning down the Maui position. Um, but I'm not bitter about it. And, uh, but no, I turned down the Maui position. And I ended up, funny enough, taking, uh, taking over uh, a college and running a college, and I did that for four years before coming here. And the amazing part was this, and this is the reason I tell you, God showed us, um, when, we, when we moved into the college position, um, God showed us, when we moved here ten years ago to start Calvary, God showed us in amazing ways that he wanted us to be here. And the point is simply this, is that you can't experience God's power in your life until you let go of the steering wheel and let God drive. And say, God, I, I want to go where you want me to go, and, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm open. And, um, and how do you do that practically? You say, all right, well, I want to do that. How do I do it practically? The way we do it practically is by finding out what God says in the Bible. And listen, it's really simple. You find out what God says in the Bible, and then you do it. And you say, but yeah, but there's stuff that the Bible doesn't talk about. So, like, does the Bible talk about, if I've got two job offers, which one I should take? Or if I've got, there's, we want to buy a house and there's two available, which one do I buy? Or, I mean, if, if there's... To, you know, to people I'm interested in, which one do I marry? I mean, these, these are the big things. Well, the Bible will speak to some of that, but here's the other thing that I've learned. The other thing that I've learned is, is that when I obey God and, and follow Him and I trust Him in the things that God explicitly talks about, God will make it much easier for me to know what He wants me to do and the things that the Bible doesn't exactly deal with. Because the Bible's not going to tell you one house or the other, Right? But what he probably is going to tell you is is some things that will make it much easier for you to make that decision. Because here's what the Bible says, and it was one of my favorite verses. It's in your notes. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The plans that God has for you, according to this verse, are amazing. If you'll trust him enough to let him lead you where he ultimately wants to take you. So then, so he says that, he shows that just by saying, hey, it's Paul, it's me. But then he shows us something else. Look at verse 8 of Romans 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's all right, you'll see the verses on the screen. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the second thing I want to share with you. And that is this, is that you experience God's power when you grow with other Christians. When you grow with other Christians. What do I mean by that? A couple of weeks ago, I had this privilege of baptizing my niece and my nephew. My niece is 12. My uh, nephew is almost nine. Um, and the way we do it at Calvary is that um, we, we baptize um, when someone really understands the decision that they're making. Because the Bible says that it's the pledging of a good conscience towards God. And so we wait until someone is at an age where they really understand what baptism is. And they're, they're making a public decision to follow Jesus. And so anyway... So I kind of asked them a few questions and said, all right, are you sure you know what baptism is? And so I asked them a few questions and they they understood very well what baptism was. So I told them that, yeah, I'd be I'd be honored to baptize them. So on the day of the baptism, we set out we set out here like this big uh, baptismal pool that people go in. And I was already in there and people were being baptized. And um, so my daughter, who's four, she sees um, she sees. Her cousins, you know, my niece and nephew going in the water. And she says, well, I want to go be with Bobby, too. And he's like, well, well, Mia, they're, they're getting baptized. Well, I, I want to go swimming as well. She's like, well, it's not like we're not that time taking a leisurely swim. This is baptism. Remember, we've talked about this before. And so my wife is uh, kind of explaining to my, to my daughter what this is. And when you're a little older and you really understand it, then you can do it. And so she's a little upset the fact that she can't go in. Well, we, uh, we do the baptism. And then that night. She's like still talking about it. You know, Bobby, I really want to be baptized today. And I'm like, okay, Mama, when you're a little older, then, then you can do it. And so, well, anyway, um, so we're giving the kids a bath later. And Carrie's telling me this. And um, the way we do it is we put the, both kids in the bath. My son, is uh, he'll be two in July. So it's just under two. My daughter's four. So we'll give him a bath. Then we'll take my son out, put his pajamas on, and then... She, my daughter plays in the water while the water's going down, and then we'll take her out, put her pajamas on. So anyway, so my, my, uh, my wife hears something in the bathroom while she's putting on my son's pajamas. She peeks in, and she's like, she's, my daughter's kind of like leaning her head back or whatever, and she's like, Mia, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, it's okay, Mommy. I'm baptizing myself. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, Mia, you can't baptize yourself. She says, listen, tell Poppy not to worry about it. I can do it. 
And she's like, no, 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 Mia, you can't baptize yourself. She says, yes, I can. Watch, I'll show you. I'll do it again. And so she goes back. And, she, and, and, and it's like, and so then, you know, we talk to her again. Because then later she's like, Bumpy, I baptized myself earlier. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Um, and, and now, listen, just the way you can't baptize yourself, you can't grow by yourself. Um, lots of people I talk to that, that, that are, are Christians, or they'll tell me that what they believe is essentially what Christians believe. But one of the things that happens is, um, is that they, they'll get to a place where, like, yeah, I believe these things about God, I believe these things about Jesus, but they, they haven't been able to really move on or move up or grow closer to God in their faith. And the reason is, is because there's, really, there's no connection to another, a group, another group of believers. Now listen, all of us, we were created by God to know God. That's why there's this desire that all of us have to know God. But at the same time, that desire can sometimes be stunted when we're not around other people who are seeking to know God as well. Because we were all created not just to know God, but to be in relationship with people who are seeking God as well. And that's why Paul tells this group that he's, that, that he's writing to, he says, listen, like several times in these verses, he's saying, I so want to come see you. And in verse 12, he says this, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And the understanding is this, is that because he knows that when Christians get together with other Christians, they're encouraged and they grow. Because one shares what he knows, one shares the gift that he has or she has, and together we grow and become more and more like Jesus and we get closer to God. And uh, in fact, in, in, uh, in your notes, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Listen, if you're a Christian and you don't have a spiritual family, then you're an orphan. And I want to tell you something. Listen, that was never God's intention. That was never God's intention. You were created by God to know him and you were created by God to be part of God's family. Are we dysfunctional? Yes, of course. You know, you met Christians, you've met Christians before and like, wow, they're weird. Yeah, but they're part of your family. If you're a Christian, they're like that weird cousin, you know, that you have. And you say, well, I don't have a weird cousin. Oh, that's because it's you. Okay, but but here's what happens, right? Here's what happens. If those who those who really experience God's power. In their lives, they find a place to worship, they find a place to grow, they find a place to get around other believers who are headed in the same direction spiritually that they're headed, because listen, we can't grow and we can't experience God's power alone. Well, look at what he says in these last couple of verses. Um, he says, this is some, two of some of the most important verses in the Bible. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's, here's the last point. And he says that you experience God's power when you believe the gospel. These last two verses that we read, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, these two verses are the thesis statement of what the Christian gospel is. These two verses also state the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Listen, there's a lot of people that, that believe that, well, every religion is the same because every religion um, says that you should love your neighbor and every religion says that you should be a good parent and you should train your kids to, to be good citizens and that you should love everyone. And, and to some degree, that's true. 
But the Christian gospel stands alone. And that the gospel is not good advice of what you must do to be accepted by God. Instead, the Christian gospel is the good news of what God has already done for you and for me through the cross of Jesus. You see, it says this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. That word power in the original language is the word dunamis, where we get our English word dynamic. It's where we get our English word dynamite. And it's what happens when someone actually opens himself up to God and invite God to come, to come into their lives. Here's what happens. There's almost like an explosion spiritually that takes place. There's an explosion that takes place of this radical change when God's spirit comes to reside inside of a person's heart, inside of a person's life. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, every one of us has disobeyed God at some point in time. Every single one of us, you and I included, have broken God's commands. The power of God is not seen in God's ability, in God's right to judge us. Instead, God's power is seen in his desire to love us as he saves us through the work of Jesus on the cross. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, Have you ever, I think all of us at some point in time have forgiven someone, right? Someone has done something wrong to us and then we, we forgave them. Because the question that people ask, and I think it's an excellent question to ask. The question that people ask is, why can't God just forgive us? I mean, why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did him have to raise from the dead? I mean, why can't God just, you know, give everybody a mulligan? Hey, you did that. Hey, it's all right. I love you. I'm God. It's okay. And um, because, right, we, 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 we've been able to forgive people, right? Was, and, and so there isn't like this need for a sacrifice, Right? As Jesus gave himself for us so that we might be saved. There isn't like someone, you know, you know, sinned against us. And we say, hey, you know, and someone says, oh, I'm so sorry I messed up. I'm so sorry I sinned against you. Would you forgive me? And like, well, I could forgive you, but I'm going to require a sacrifice. Give me your spare tire and we'll call it even. All right. You know, you know, and right, well, we don't require that. Why does God require that? The reason is this is because we aren't the standard. The reason is because we've experienced forgiveness. That's why we're able to forgive. But see, it's the same way. You ever wonder this? You see this on the news. One person commits a heinous crime against someone else. And then the person who has that crime committed against them are able to forgive the person who had sinned against them. And it makes headlines because it's not a normal thing to do. It's like you, you, you sinned against me, but I want you to know that I forgive you. But I want you to notice something that's very important, and that is this. The person, the person does the forgiving, but the court does not forgive. Because the court is the standard of justice. The person who forgives is not the standard of justice. In the same way, you see, the court cannot be both gracious and just. It has to be just. The only way for the court to be gracious and just is to do what God did. Because the Bible says this. Um, it says the soul that sins will surely die. That's the penalty. And, and later on in Romans, Paul says this, the wages of sin is death. But then, the, uh, thank God that the verse doesn't end there. He says this, but the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's what God does to be both just and gracious. And this is where the power of God is seen. He says this, to be just, I have to hand down the sentence which is that the wages of sin is death. 
But then God puts down the judge's gavel. And he comes around and he stands beside us. He says, but here's the thing. Here's what I want to do. I want to pay the price for the crime that was committed, for the sin that was committed. And that's why he says that the gospel is the power of God. It's that we see the love of God. When you see a cross, here's what, here's what that message is sending to you, is that God loved you so much that he was willing to send his son to die, to be a substitute for us. Because when he died on that cross, listen, he was taking our place because the wages of sin is death. But instead, God says, I'm going to be just by handing down the sentence. But I'm going to be gracious by paying the bill. But he says this, it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And, and once again, the question is, what does it mean to really believe? Um, because we all believe lots of things. I don't know if you know this. I read the stat this week. 10% of people in America still believe Elvis is alive. Contrary to all the data. Namely, like his tomb and his family who says, like, Elvis has left the building. You know, right? And then, like, but here's the other weird thing. I read this other stat. 10% of America believes that we never went to the moon. Like it was all done in like a Hollywood studio. And uh, now I'm dying to know if it's the same 10% that believes, but that's another story. Um, but we all, we all have these things that, that, that we believe, right? I, I grew up in a Cuban home, which means my family is completely insane. Um, but I, I grew up in a home where chicken soup was the cure for whatever ailment you had in life. Doesn't matter what you oh oh you have a cold soba de bollo that's all you need tomo una soba de bollo and so you do that oh you have pneumonia soba de bollo that's what you need oh you need a hip replacement soba de bollo eso se te queda eso se te queda you know how is that eso se me queda are you sure I need my hip replaced soba de bollo and that's all that's it so here's the thing there's all these things that we believe. But here's the deal. What is, so what is he saying when he says it's the power of God to him who believes? You see, um, believing in the biblical sense, it's, it's, uh, it's a Greek word. Um, pisteo is, is the Greek word. But here's what it means. It means to trust in. It's actually a word picture that, that, that refers to putting your full weight on something. You see, all of us exercised this verse today. All of us came in and you looked at the seat. You looked at yourself, you looked at the seat, and you said, I think that seat could take me. Why? Because if you didn't believe it, you wouldn't have sat in the chair. But because you believed it, you sat in the chair, and look, all of us, we, the seats are pretty good. They're handling us. Um, but see, that's what he's talking about, believing, putting your full weight on something. So he says that the, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. He's talking about this, that the gospel, the gospel, when you put your full weight on it, that God has the ability to save you, not because of what you've done or how good you've been, but because of what Jesus has done. That's when you realize, that's when you experience God's power. You see, really believing something and understanding that radically alters us. It makes us different. The promise of the gospel is not that God is going to give us the power of cha uh, to change. The, the, the power of the gospel is that God's not going to make us, and this is so key, well, I just want God to help me so that I can become a better version of myself. And that's sometimes what we think, oh, I just want to be better. I want to be me 2.0. But 
But here's what the Bible says. The Bible talks about the power of God. And when you allow God to come into your life, there's this dunamis power, this explosive power where God fundamentally changes who we are. And he transforms us into something that we couldn't even ask, think or imagine what we could become. That's why when I talk to someone and they say and I ask if they're a Christian, they say, well, you know, I'm trying to be a Christian. And maybe that's if I asked you, you'd say, I'm trying to be a Christian here. Can I just share this with you? Maybe being bold. It tells me you don't quite understand the gospel yet, because the gospel is not about trying harder. That's not really good news. If I say Jesus died for you, now try really hard. Instead, the gospel isn't about trying to be good enough. The gospel is about God accepting you as you are because of what Jesus has done. And then he comes into your life and here's what he does. He creates this explosive transformation in your life and he transforms you from the inside out. So here's the question. The question is, do you want God to change your life? Because if that's the case, then what happened on Good Friday when Jesus died and took every sin that was ever committed or would be committed on himself. And then on Easter Sunday, when he showed that he had power over death and power over sin, and now he offers forgiveness to every person because of that glorious moment that we celebrate today, now we have the opportunity to experience real change and experience God's power in our lives so he can transform us from the inside out. So maybe you came here for someone invited you. Maybe you got something in the mail. Maybe you saw something on Facebook or some other place and you said, well, that's why I'm here. Listen, maybe the real reason that you're here, maybe the real reason that you're here is because you've never invited Jesus into your life to forgive you. And through a whole series of circumstances, God brought you to this place so you could hear this message. And listen, when I, and so that when the message is given, you could respond. Please understand, I'm not talking about, well, I'm not the religious type or whatever. I'm not, I'm not asking that. Oh, well, I went to church as a kid. I'm not asking that. What I'm asking is, if you've never invited Jesus to come into your life and ask him to forgive you of everything that you've done, And say, God, I want you to do a work in me. I want you to put me on your path and I want you to give me a place in your kingdom. That's the power of God working in your life. That's the good news of the gospel. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And what I'm going to do is as we pray, I'm going to lead those of you that want to make that decision. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, please understand, it's, I'm not, what I'm sharing with you, the words, it's not a magic formula. But instead, maybe as you've heard this message, you're, you're feeling something. And you say, I'm, I'm feeling something, but I can't even express it with words. And maybe the prayer that I'm going to share with you, um, maybe that, those are the words that, that your heart wants to express to God. But here's what I do know. Is that even though they may be my words that I'm going to ask you to repeat. If you pray them in sincerity, God will hear, God will respond, God will act, and God will begin the process of transforming your life as you receive the forgiveness of God through the cross. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, that same word, trust in the fact that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so I want to give you that, that opportunity now to do so. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you 
for the cross. We want to thank you for Easter. That the power of God is seen. And God, we're asking for your power in this service, in this moment, in these lives right now. God, because some of us are here and we came to know you. Some of us are here and we don't know you yet. But we want to. We're open. And we want to make a decision now to believe the gospel for you to do a work that changes us. And so, God, as we pray, hear us and act on the request that we're making. Because, God, you said that if we draw close to you, you would draw close to us. And listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're ready and you say, I want to experience the forgiveness of Jesus, the forgiveness of God that comes from the cross. I want to experience the power of the resurrection in my life so that God can change my life and that I can have a place in his kingdom and really know who God is. I want to invite you to pray out loud with me and just say, Dear God, I open my heart and I invite you in. I thank you for Jesus who died for me that I might have life. I want to walk with you starting right now in Jesus' name. Amen.